Well, howdy, and welcome to another episode of Say Something Inch. You probably weren't expecting a howdy to kick this thing off. I know Margo wasn't. She just gave me a look. fresh. Always keeping it on your toes here. This is the podcast coming at you from Eastlake Tri-Cities Church in Eastern Washington. It's the follow-up podcast from what took place on Sunday. Just, and then really just a half hour of banter. Hopefully worth your time uh, at the end of things. Things that we found interesting in life. Things that we talked about that we thought were interesting. And expanding upon those things. My name is Brent. And with me as always is... Margo. And she spoke on Sunday. She actually concluded our guardrail series uh, we did five weeks of that, lots of rules for five weeks and expect, not really rules, expectations or whatever. And, uh, super fun because on Sunday night, we had a, a night service last night and in walked in the back, uh, kind of an older couple and they were walking with Maddie, um, who goes to East, uh, comes to eat the night service at East Lake. And she walks up and introduces them and he sh- shakes my hand and says, I, I, this is my first time, but I've heard you on your podcast. And I totally thought, Margo, that he was talking about the talks page. But after going, talking to him for a while, it was like, no, he listened to this. This was the entry point for him uh, to check out Eastlake. And he still, and he decided to still come to church. Can you believe that? <laughs> we didn't Even after listening to this podcast, he's like, you know what? I'm going to give those guys a shot. So, oh, man. We think that that's pretty awesome. Uh, and if this is your first time checking us out, we're glad that you're here. However you found us, we're glad you're listening. Uh, but uh, Margo, how are you? Doing good. How are you feeling after yesterday? I'm always sleepy. Like, there's something about sermonizing that, like, it's great. It's a great experience, but yeah. it just, it zaps you. And you've done uh, the night service once before. Yes. But that was my first time sitting in on it oh, uh, yeah. without you, because I was gone the one week that you had done it prior to that. Um, so yeah, that was, it's fun. I, I, uh, it was great to have you up there and great series altogether. How'd you feel about the whole thing? It was fun. I mean, it's always, it's always a lot of, I won't say pressure because that sounds negative, but you always want to finish well, like you always want to wrap up something well. And so like, there's always the challenge of, well, I didn't start this, but I want to, I want to finish it well. So, uh, just trying to, communicate like carry the spirit that you've brought to the message and do my best to to finish it with a little bit of estrogen on the side and you know call it a day do you notice uh this would be a great question for outsiders but i mean so do you uh, we've talked about how you notice that when i do lots of illustrations it's typically a touch guy oriented probably just because consider the source right Mm -hmm. so my illustrations are typically sports oriented um or you know i don't know some other like guy thing even though i try really hard in all of my illustrations like one of my favorite things that you say and i actually made myself say it i think in almost all the services and one of the times i flubbed it just because it's so not me but i love like even as a woman i appreciate it is if you're kicking the tires of christianity yeah you said kicking the wheels is <laughs> I what did, you said that was what i missed it up i was like, like ow that would I, actually probably hurt i'm like i'm so so not a man <laughs> that is into cars <laughs> and- if you're kicking the spokes of christianity uh, too funny. No, that's great. Um, so did you feel, I mean, are, when you take that approach, are you trying to come at it from a more woman-like perspective? Are you trying to, are you trying to, are you thinking through like, all right, this one's for the ladies out there. I'm going to start the analogies with what about your husband instead of what about your wife or something like that, you know? Cause I try and go like, maybe she thinks, or he thinks, or, you know, do the, you she, do he good, you do combo. a good job with the, he, she thing like yeah. mixing it up better than and it right i mean it's got to be yeah, better than it yeah, yeah. anyways or th- sometimes you say they that's pretty safe yeah like if but, they but are... even when i do he she it's typically he then she and i have to catch myself when i say 
you know, what do your buddies think, or what is your what do your girlfriends think? Well, I'll, I know my I'll husband would be the first, being like, "You really were giving the husbands a hard time last night, huh?" Right. <laughs> so, so I try to be super mindful of it. Like I know, just like you said, that I'm more inclined to just automatically throw out like the opposite gender when it comes to things. Yeah. Um. So I try to be super mindful. I also because I was a single lady for a pretty long time. Try to make thing like make things relatable to people that don't have kids or aren't married or aren't just aren't in that stage of life. Yeah. Uh, just because I know for me it can be hard to sit in a in a church and you never hear yourself used as an example, like your your situation used and you can be like, is this for me? Yeah. Like even though you know like I can translate this, I can translate this down to my current situation, it can still feel a little bit like I would isolating. say a good chunk of the criticism or critique, not criticism. Critique that I get in between services from Adam and Megan because we do this every every service uh, after the nine thirty. I slip into the office and we do ten minutes on. We tune it up. Yeah, what worked and what didn't work and what, how do we make it better for eleven? Um, it's hey, you need to use an analogy for unmarried people, or you need to you know think about it from this side. What about people who don't have kids? What about people um, who have a, a lot of kids or, or can't have kids or are trying to have kids and it's not working, you know, that kind of thing. And so you're like, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Cause you do, you get in a, like a, just a mental rut of like, I can deal, I can bring, listen, I can bring all of my problems. If I only spoke about my issues and what I think about, I'd have plenty of material to talk every single week. Um, but there's so many people represented. How do you have, strike a good balance between everything on that? Which is, you know, it is, it is tough. It's why we don't do a lot of like parenting series because it is, I mean, you're talking about a big chunk or you don't, we don't do a lot of um, series on singleness because we have a lot of people who are married too. You know, it's like, it's like this hard what do you find? So you got to try and interject it in every message and all that to say, it was nice to have a uh, female perspective up there, hopefully for this, uh, for this part of the series. But you, you kind of concluded uh, by uh, kind of summing up really the whole guardrails thing a little bit um, and doing that Proverbs verse, which is so classic above all else, right? Guard your heart. Like this is the, it's the wellspring of life and out of it, you talked about behavior modifications and, um, I just remember uh, we, we saw this series from Andy. Andy did a message on this a while back where, where he talked about, um, you know, you, when you catch yourself saying something, you go, ooh, that's not really me. Um, coming to the honesty of, well, that is me. I'm just really good at filtering it. You know what I mean? And then not every, not, but not all the time because apparently I let it slip through in this time. And so where did that come from? And Jesus would say from your sick heart is where it came from. That's the source. Consider the source of this. Um, so we, we always do a great job of modifying our behavior, but every once in a while, when we, when we, because we know ourselves, we wouldn't say it, but we, we live with the dark side of ourselves and it's worth, um, asking ourselves, what do we do about that? What is, where does that come from? And what does that really speak to who I am? And so, you asked me, or when we were talking prepping for this deal, um, a little bit about um, do guys help me help me out help me out with uh, so, finishing this. So to to summarize, like the the challenge or at the end of this sermon or this series is um, like it was like check your heart. So essentially, yeah, how's your heart? Which is the question. If your behaviors aren't perfect, which none of us are, like we always lose our temper or get frustrated or maybe bend our morality to fit certain situations when we know we shouldn't, um, if those things are happening, which they are, how do we, are you, are you able to sit with yourself 
and to look inward and try to figure out the source. Like, why did I make that horrible job choice at my work? Why did I lose it on my kids? Why, why do I go through his cell phone to see if he's talking to anyone? Like, why do I, why do I do these things? What's the source of that? Um, and I feel like for women, it's a little bit easier because I mean, part of it is nature versus nurture. I feel like girls are encouraged to sit in their feelings, like, right? Like boys don't cry. You know, you're not supposed to cry or show emotions and stuff like that. Whereas girls, we kind of get a pass. Like sometimes you just need a good cry. Like we we are given a lot more <laughs> allowance than men do in order to like sit with our feelings and not just get over it and get past it. So as a man, do you think it's harder to like you see your actions that are less than ideal? Uh, is it a challenge to then trace them back inward and spend that time? Is it comfortable, uncomfortable? Uh, I, I don't know that it really is a gender thing for me. I think I've seen, um, I think it fa- works more towards a, like a personality thing. And I think a lot of times you get, um, type a, or at the end when I do my something interesting, I'm going to talk about Enneagram stuff. And I think ba- based on your personality profile on that, there is a sense of, um, what what's my goal, my, my long-term image, or my long-term goal? Is it to maintain some sort of a, a self-image for myself? Is it is it a goal to manage my image, like partic- participate in image management of others? And so therefore I can't dwell on um, my flaws too long. I want to kind of move on quickly. To the, the, I need success, right? I think for a lot of people it's I need success. And so this feels like why would I evaluate a pain which feels like a loss when I can move on and do something quickly and dominate in other areas just because I need to win, right? So my competitive drive, and that can be, listen, that's like a, a, a number three on the Instagram. I, I know that guys and girls are, are fit into this profile of um, either I'm going to dominate and, or I'm, gonna, I'm so competitive I'm going to win, and so therefore I don't have time to, to evaluate myself I feel on like that. these are the you same I mean? people that don't go to the hospital when they have symptoms that tell them that they should go to the hospital. I, I, I agree. Or not even just the hospital. Let's say the doctor, right? Um, for like where some people would be like, man, I've got this cold that's just not going away. Um, I'm going to go get it checked out. It's probably nothing, but I'm going to do it. Better to be safe than sorry, whatever. And then there's other people who are like, I'm fighting through this thing. I'm going to I'm gonna take so much stinking NyQuil and vitamin C and what's the emergency or the airborne spray or whatever like that. Um, I'm going to do all of these things and just fight through it. And I'm going to be sick for like three weeks, whereas I could have gone to the doctor, gotten some antibiotics and been done with a week. But who wants to pay $50 for the, for the doctor fee or whatever, you know, or... I don't I throw want... in a pop culture reference. Yeah, absolutely. There's people that are responsible when it comes to their health <laughs> and yeah. proactive or maybe hypochondriac. And then there's the Michael Scott with his foot in the George Foreman grill that <laughs> yeah. refused to actually do yeah. anything to make it better. So I love the smell of bacon in the morning. <laughs> you know? Yeah, absolutely. And then someone's going to have to crush up pain meds and put it in your applesauce and trick you in to get him better. So. <laughs> yeah. So I think uh, I think that's a big piece of it is it, a lot of times it, it – it's like what kind of a pace of life are you comfortable with? Um, what kind of an image are you hoping to maintain or project for other people? Um, and uh, so the about the the feelings part of it, um, yeah, I think it's a it's a legit question. It's so funny because um, I will definitely have some people who come. I'm, I'm thinking of somebody specifically, but I won't mention them, but who come to me and are like, I'm just struggling with this right now. I'm struggling with, I'm just bitter and I'm angry. And he slash she is the most 
kind individual ever. Like you would never guess it. And like internally, they've taken some time to like evaluate, like, why am I, why do I think this way? I would never act that way. Like I have way too many boundaries in that way. And and you would never, so you, so you think to the, you know, how, how are you so happy? You feel so like satisfied in life. And they're like, oh, I'm actually super angry and bitter and, and hold it on. You're like, what? No way. Like you never let that out. And, uh, um, so it, it's that, that question at the end of how's your heart? Like for some people, um, like, uh, they can be like, well, yeah, it's good. Let's move on. Next question. Is there, <laughs> do you have any more questions? Uh, you know, uh, but then for others, it's like, okay, I, I, uh, that, that's deep. I need to think through that and talk through that. And, and, uh, love that illustration with it, uh, of, of the guy who asked his kid at night, you know, how's your heart every night doing your, doing the thing, dad, fine. It's fine. Right. We all <laughs> have been that kid. We all uh, know what that's like. And, uh, yeah, it was good. Super good. Um, I, a couple of things that I took away, which I thought were great. Um, uh, the idea of testing the boundaries, uh, oh, you mentioned kind of to summarize in second the, service, the so guardrails. Oh, third. okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, of, uh, we don't like guardrails, but we can see the value of them because they, they provide structure for us to know what we can and can't get away with and use the illustration that you got, I think from Megan about in the classroom, the first two weeks of school, we're coming at the end of school, but after summer break, the kids kind of like you know, three months of swimming in, uh, in, the, in the river and out in the sun a bunch, they come back to school, new classroom, new friends, new teacher. It's a, what can I get away with? What can I do? Um, what's, what's, what, what can what I say? The boundaries, the limits. Yeah. What's so going to get me in trouble versus <laughs> massive testing. And if you've ever raised a child, you know that that's the case too. And it's not just, or just even babysit. That's the first thing. When you babysit kids, they want to know what your buttons are. Yeah. They want to know if, if you'll believe them, if they say a mom wants to see pizza in bed. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then once those are kind of established, then there's a lot of, um, freedom stuff. Um, sort of in between that. That's that's so good because that's what we're talking about with this is we're saying, okay, we're going to put up some self-inflicted boundaries. Um, and then within that, then I've got this freedom to kind of do what I want I, I, or be the type of person that makes me unique. I feel like um, in the church world, uh, there uh, there comes a time where, you know, there's a lot of churches that have lots of internal boundaries or lots of internal guardrails more than even uh, I mean that's one of the critiques that Jesus had of of the Jewish people was he set up all of these different rules and then the inside of the cup is is trash you know you've washed the outside but the inside so bad and so the church has kind of defaulted into more guardrails we've been a church that's been kind of like anti the uh, or very clear about what are essentials and non-essentials, and then we do a series like guardrails. Like, what is that about? But the idea is um, decide those that personal kind of decision of what is it for me? What is it for me? What do I need to do? What am I? Uh, what am I thinking of? So I, I just think it's it's good. And then within those boundaries, once that's in place, man, um, be you and and uh, get a chance to kind of be unique in that way. I, I thought it was good. So. Yes, boundaries free us up to to operate in safety and enjoy life. Yeah. Uh, finally, on on the four things you talked about: um, uh, guilt, anger, greed, and jealousy. 
And what those sentences really are saying is, you know, like the idea of guilt is I owe, I owe you, I owe you something, anger, I owe me, uh, you owe me something, I'm so angry at it. I owe me is the greed thing, which I heard you slip in a little weekend in Vegas thing because you know I go to Vegas every year. <laughs> well, that's um, even, that's I'm the general kidding. what right. happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. I have lots of accountability there just for <laughs> clarification. I go with sake. other pastors right. that are not letting, <laughs> cutting loose. <laughs> uh, and then finally, you said this idea of jealousy which is not you have you didn't take the angle of I'm jealous of you I want what you want because that, then that's just greed that feels petty too right like we look at that and be like that's a really shallow form of jealousy so we would not really admit to jealousy if if it was a what do you see in others and you want that we would say oh, I am intelligent enough and beyond 7th grade to know that that's not a great way to live life However, we fall into then the other side of the ditch, if you will, of life owes me. And I, I might not say it, but I, I do. I live with a chip on my shoulder that, that life owes me, that I'm entitled to something. And th- the fact that other people have it and I don't, that's just unfair. And so we talk about fairness of life and um, whatever. Uh, and then you really transition that and said you went deeper into even the life owes me to where what you're essentially saying at the core of that is because life isn't like this all moving force you would say or we, we believe or whatever um it's about uh uh god owes me like you you moved it into this in, uh, ambiguous this general thing of life towards a really statement towards i believe that god owes me and even if you don't believe in god like even if you're irreligious like this is this this center thing this karma this all, all things have a purpose and are a reason for existence that thing whatever that is owes me right and the reason we don't say god owes me is because it sounds blasphemous even if we're not religious like I, God, God, you owe me something. We we can understand the pettiness of that and uh, the life feels. Yeah, it feels like you you can get away with saying life or even karma because karma isn't like an intelligent force or anything like that. Yeah, uh, it feels much much safer to say that. But yeah. I, but we t- like I said in the message, a lot of people, if you trace back the root of why they're frustrated with the church or don't want to be part of church culture. They say they're irreligious, but really a lot of them are struggling with this thought of God owes me. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's just a, a hugely powerful thing because once you realize that that's what I'm saying, then you can actually do something about it. So mm-hmm. super good. Anyways, I thought it was a great close off to the message. I thought it was just a fun series um, to, to do in general. Very, very practical. We're moving on to a new one this weekend uh, on Surrender. Um, and called White Flag, and I just uh, I just bought a book. I don't know that I'm going to use it at all, but I'm trying to get my mind wrapped around uh, the mentality of it called The Anguish of Surrender. It's about Japanese POWs post-World War II and what got them. They've been so indoctrinated with a, we're going to fight till the bitter end. And then as a- Hero's in, death. Yeah, and in a culture where it's, um, you know, honor and, and pride of, of self and- uh, and... All of that was crazy intense, and the depths at which it had to get for them to, or the the depths at which it got, not that it had to get, the depths at which it got that that pushed them into the corner where surrender became an option, and knowing that our direct community was involved in, you know, pieces of that with the uh, uh, atomic bomb stuff and and Manhattan That's Project. Like worst case like forcing their arms like, absolutely what did it take to break through this cultural 
I say pride. I mean, pride pride can be a good thing, like having like being proud, like a healthy pride. But, proud to be an American, right? Yeah, but <laughs> but <laughs> what, the music. What can what did it take to break through the blinding pride that Japanese culture perpetuated at this point in history? Yeah, yeah. That's, Crazy. So we'll see. Well, I'll, I'll see what that incorporates it, it into. But I just know um, Kylie and I were listening to a song in the car the other day. It was like a, a worship song thing. And she was like, I got to play this. And then she talked about how she's been talking with some girlfriends about some things, going through some stuff. And and then we, she played this song and we were both like, like getting choked up, like just thinking about not the song, but what the song would mean to those types of people. Um, and I was like, we just, we need to do a series on this. So anyways, that's the inspiration for it. So hopefully you come out and I'll make you cry. Just kidding. I'm not going to make you cry. Guys, so Mother's don't worry Day, about we want to talk about Mother's Day? Yeah, though? Mother's Day is this Sunday. Absolutely. Um, we, uh, we've got a really cool baptism story that we're going to be talking about. Um, Alex is getting baptized. Um, and then we've got some, uh, we got some fun things planned for all of the ladies. It's going to be a ladies type of weekend. You're going to wish, guys, you're going to wish you were a lady this weekend. I'm just telling you. And we are very... We try to create a positive Mother's Day environment because we totally acknowledge that Mother's Day can be a hard holiday for a lot of people, whether they never had a positive mother figure in their life or they've lost their mom and this is a hard reminder, or if they've always wanted to be a mom and for some reason or another that's not been able to come to fruition. Um, so we like it's more of like a celebrating mature women's day. <laughs> <laughs> because every well everyone it takes a village right it, and everyone has contributed yeah into like loving other people's kids like i i love loving on other people's kids and encouraging and you know we're all in it together hot so. insight for all of the podcast listeners is that we also are going to be giving away a few things on sunday uh we're going to be giving away oh can we tell them? is that okay you're looking at me like <laughs> we okay on our table in our office we bought 20 magnolia table we did not shady shady, shady picked them all up shady <laughs> at costco i'm sure he got some good looks yeah <laughs> yeah of all the people that i would buying, love to have seen shady andrew walking out of costco with 20 magnolia table book cookbooks in his uh in his cart and these things like i i got one they're huge you they're... got one by yourself you yeah, bought yeah, it with yeah. your own like <laughs> no no no. i did not take one off the table we have 19 cookbooks we're giving away guys <laughs> but they're they're awesome like even if you're not into chip and joanna like they she has all these which by the way i watched my first episode the other day i'm sorry i started to interrupt but i watched fixed her upper this for the first deal. time the big deal guys like i've always been like oh yeah it's cool and then kylie and i it was we we finished uh a handmaid's tale and we we're that. so we were already on Hulu, and then the, the next thing was like, "What do you want to watch?" And we we're like, it "Had a half hour because we were just upstairs and watched an, an episode of Fixed Rubber. I enjoyed it. I liked it. It was great. Chip, Chip is so funny. Chip was great. Joanna was great. Both of them. They're yeah. a very cute couple. I totally get it. it like immediately, one of those couples, you're like, um, "We could be friends if you would just get to know me." You know what I mean? <laughs> Let me into your inner circle because yes. I want you to. I don't think you hate us, me. and I I know we'd love you that kind of thing. Um, but <laughs> but the books are great. They they're I like that they they're not too complicated. Like it's not like a Julia Childs. You're not gonna kill yourself. In fact, like the first half of the book is she's like, if you have these things in your fridge, you can make most of the ingredients in here, and they're pretty basic. And she's not like she has no shame. Some of the things are like get a box of cake mix that you don't like not everything's from scratch like she's very realistic yeah um so i appreciate that some of them are like super basic items that you're like well i already know that but to me it just makes it 
like very welcoming. Like it's not an intimidating cookbook. So I thought it's I thought it was. Great and resource. listen, it's it's for the ladies. We totally get that. But did you know that the whole house benefits when there's a really legit cookbook in in play? The whole house benefits. Husband, you're gonna be putting fake tickets of your wife's name in. Absolutely. To... <laughs> yeah. We got twelve. So we are gonna de- be doing a, a drawing thing. So you're gonna be, if you're listening to the podcast, you're gonna want to get there early and uh, make sure you get your name in there. And then we're drawing some. And, and there is more. There's more than just the cookbook. Yes. Yeah. We'll keep that a surprise. But um, yeah, so much. So hopefully you can make it out to the launch of a series, a really great baptism video and then also joanna Gaines. joanna Gaines, y'all all right uh let's transition to our say something interesting for the week margie you want to kick us off sure this is actually something i said like the second the podcast ended the other week and i was like well maybe more people will be interested in this it's a book i read for once it's not brent sharing books it's margo <gasps> margo <laughs> i know of course i read this back in 2011 but still <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it's it's good book. So it's called Little Princes, like male princes, not to be confused with the little princess. Uh, and it's a nonfiction book. It's about this guy that he turned 30 and he's like, man, I'm 30. I'm not married. Don't have kids. I want to travel the world before life gets real and I have to be serious. So he had some money. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if he was left money or got gift money or saved up his money, but he's like, I'm going to travel the world for a year. And then he realized that that kind of sounds pretty selfish because he's he realized the cost of doing this. So he's like, well, to get people off my back, to make myself look good, I'm going to spend three, four months at an orphanage and then spend the rest, you know, partying in Morocco and whatever. So he found an orphanage in Nepal, and uh, he went up there, and it, it rocked his world. I don't think he'd ever been in a an experience like that. Of, I don't think he'd ever been off the resort, <laughs> as it <laughs> were. So the reality of um, of orphanage life and uh, life in Nepal, which was going through like war torn, kind of still jacked up from um, everyone coming in and out and a lot of religious ten- tensions and stuff like that. He ends up, he has no, he hasn't even worked with kids before. <laughs> it's like, so he's going in cold and, uh, he ends up just kind of falling in love with these kids and their stories. And then he hears that a lot of them are in an orphanage, not because they necessarily know if their parents have died, but during the, the war and things like that, you know, their village would be attacked and the kids would run and sometimes they get separated from their parents and then the kids end up in this orphanage. So he realizes that so many of these these boys that he loves at this orphanage, like they don't even know if their parents are alive or not and they have no means to find them. So he ends up going to all these remote villages in Nepal trying to find these parents to reunite them with the kids. And it really changes his worldview in a huge way. I don't, th- I don't think he continued with this trip. He just stayed there. He couldn't, he couldn't move on like once he'd seen... What he saw, he couldn't unsee it, and it um, changed things. For the for the ladies, there is, like, he meets his wife. This is, like, a true story in, in the book, and so that's pretty cool. And then, like, one of my favorite interactions. So he's American, not used to dealing um, with any other culture, especially any other religion. And so he's talking to these kids, and I think they're Hindu, and... They're like they're asking him before bed, like, "What do you what do you eat in America?" And he's like, "Ah, uh, I guess probably the most American thing is is a hamburger." And they're like, "What's a hamburger?" He's like, "Oh, you know, like just ground up cow." And they're like, oh, 
you eat God? And then he's like, no, 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 we don't. And they're like, you say God is not cow? And he's like, oh, no, 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 no. And so he like just dug himself in this hole and like just stuff like that is just Well, pretty... not just God, but like my ancestors, right? Because like yeah, the reincarnation. Like... Is... <laughs> I said Buddhism. I say I get them all confused. I think Buddhism is reincarnation. Is it? I thought Hindu was. Oh, anyways. Well, uh, we're, we're I think it, yeah, we're expressing getting our ignorance, you guys. <laughs> Sorry. So yeah, but like just interactions like that just make you crack up, just because he's struggling. But it's great. Connor Grennan. Yes. Is his name? Yes, I wrote down his name too. Okay, good. Connor I Grennan. just I was googling him, or googling the book while you were writing it out. So because it's it's good. It's a good like beach read. Beach read. That's great. I'm I'm gonna also give you a beach read because here's the deal. We're entering into beach mode, you guys. It's really nice. Although it fits your backyard and the kids are inside watching Paw Patrol. That's the beach, guys. (laughs) Put a sign up that says beach this way, and then just have it be your backyard, and then do that. Um, I picked up a book the other day uh, that I really. I was gonna talk Enneagram, Uh, guys. I'm a nine, just so you know. Like that's that's what I am. Are you? It's not. It's not like a. This is not a hot or not scale. He's not a nine out of ten, guys. He's just. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a nine out of. I'm a nine out of nine, according to Enneagram, which would be a great way to start. But uh, no, that's it is not a hot or not scale. So different per- personalities are assigned to different numbers. What's your, what's a four? Like explain. Oh, like, artist, right? That's yeah, what the artist is. Creative. Creative. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. So mine is peacemaker. So I, I like it when I can make. I, 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 think I prefer nine harmony. Was like my second number. I prefer things when they make sense. And they can all be pieced together. Um, and uh, so anyways, I would love to do an expansion on that sometime to talk about the differences between those two things. And, and then even our work relationship, that'd be a fun future podcast. We should just on, on, on we should do that on a week where the Sunday message just sucked. <laughs> and we're like, guys, I don't even want to talk about that. Let's just imagine that that didn't happen. And let's talk Enneagram. Or maybe we'll do a two for maybe, one week. Maybe. Here's what the deal. We'll never say that the message sucked. We'll just do an Enneagram week. And they're like, huh, they didn't talk about the message that day. And Eric would be listening going good because it was terrible and uh we'll just uh we'll just move on with enneagram stuff but today uh i picked up a book called uh sick in the head by judd apatow um he's a director and has directed uh some classics some classic comedies that are kind of like he's got a super great pulse on uh the modern culture so he did uh 40 old version he did knocked up um he had a hand in some super bad stuff he's a producer for a bunch of different stuff for girls on hbo um all these movies are definitely like so not safe like, for Brent's mom, but totally, totally, <laughs> uh, and uh, NS, NSFBW. Anyways, not say yeah, uh, but um, he. Uh, so the story, it's it's him interviewing a bunch of comedians. Comedians right now have been like for me, kind of an interesting like dynamic. Like I, I'm I'm super interested in comedians because what we do as a line of work or what. Uh, I find myself spending a lot of time on is up in front of a crowd trying to capture attention and keep dialogue going for a half hour. Who else does that in our culture? Comedians, right? Uh, they do it for a different reason, but you can learn so much from from some of them. So he conducted a bunch of interviews. The book is essentially a collection of those interviews, kind of scripted out or transcribed out um, with a lot of different, like current, but then also he did several interviews back in 1983. He did it for a high school project. As a senior in high school, he contacted a lot, of, and he was uh, growing up in L.A. Uh, and uh, was had a connection to a comedy club because his mom worked at one. Did interviews with some pretty famous people who would go on. Jerry Seinfeld. He interviewed Jerry Seinfeld when he was 17 years old. He called. He worked at his school radio station. He called up Jerry's agent and said, "I work at a radio station in in uh, in L.A. I'd love to do it." I'd <laughs> love to do an interview with Jerry. That takes balls. Showed up at Jerry's house. Jerry opens the door. 
17 year old kid with like a huge recording machine going can i help you <laughs> i'm here to do the interview <laughs> that's like almost famous but with comedy oh it's so yeah exactly which is a great movie by the way um and uh totally with that and so he did leno he did seinfeld um a couple other classic ones back uh, uh gary shanling all when he was like 17 years old and and uh, so he became kind of came kind of a legend that way uh, was roommates with adam sandler before adam sandler was adam sandler um discovered seth rogan uh james franco freaks and geeks all those guys that was their first job ever all these guys who have gone on to make some some, some great comedies um so anyways it's a really cool story of just his life and hearing perspectives from a lot of these comics who tried to make it up and coming. And it's it's definitely got a survivor bias, meaning you're only talking to the survivor. He probably did more interviews of guys who didn't make it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's a super entertaining read. Yeah. Um, so uh, check it out. Sick in the Head, Judd Apatow. Um, it's, chapters are short, so you can just read one and then put it down for a long time and not have to feel like you can pound it through. But uh, anyways, it was it was great. I enjoyed it. Thoroughly satisfied. All right. I think that'll do it for today's episode. You got anything else? Can I just throw in another another interesting fact on top of yours? Yeah. So me and Matt, I, this is a movie I've wanted to watch literally since like middle school. But I finally sat down and watched it. It was Man on the Moon. The one about... Andy Kaufman. Yes. Andy yes. Kaufman. And so I, I got on the interwebs after because they leave it like... You see that this this is based on a true story that this comedian has died, but he's known for doing shocking comedy that pretty much only him and his writer understand. Yeah, pushing the envelope, and even his family didn't believe that he was sick for the longest time because that would just be like him to fake cancer in such an elaborate way. And so, like, they have this funeral, and everyone's like, "It's not him." And he had this character that he would dress up and play this lounge singer that was obnoxious. And after he died, like eight months later, this lounge singer made an appearance since everyone's like, he's still alive. But everyone's like, no, no, this is writer. So I went on and it turns out the writer and the girlfriend that he lived with when he died released a book in 2016, I think. And they said in the book, yeah, he faked it. He is not dead. And he wanted to wait around 30 years, like in his head when he was planning it out. They said he's like, 30 years is a good amount of time to fake people out. So I thought that was was just like any day now he could pop back up on the scene. Dude. So I remember that movie. It's Jim Carrey. Yes. In a very non-Jim Carrey-esque, like not what you were expecting, right? Because he was doing like Dumb and Dumber, The Mask. Uh, Yeah, that was during his stupid comedy days. Yeah. And then he comes out with this, which is kind of a series. And it's an homage to this guy that who is like a... uh, uh, not a mentor, I would say, but like a a star for him, and to kind of re- reflect that. I do remember that movie now that you mentioned that. It's so crazy. Jim Carrey was another one of those guys that he interviewed when he was like, well, they were buddies um, before Jim Carrey was famous when he was doing uh, uh, Living Co- in Living Color, um, all that stuff. So, anyways, I love it. I love that kind of stuff, man. I just, if he appears, there's a whole article about lawyers being like, he's gonna get in serious trouble because. They like body swapped it. Like that's like the whole conspiracy theory. Body swapped him, got a coroner's note, and like all this stuff. Like he's gonna get in serious trouble <laughs> for thinking people out. Playing the is system, true. man. So that's awesome. We uh we are actually gonna be incorporating a little bit of stand up comedy. I met with uh somebody this last week named Emily Rickman. She's a local uh, comedian here, and we're gonna be doing a date night done right here in June. So uh, June more 29th. information. June 29th. It's a Friday night. Um, is it your birthday or is it Matt's Day birthday? After. Oh, okay. Got it. Um, 
and uh, we're going to be doing it here. So childcare, and then go out to dinner, come back, do a little comedy show. I think my buddy Matt's going to do opening set, and then Emily's going to do kind of the concluding set. And I, I uh, she's a funny individual. I've never heard her do her stand-up, but um, she is involved with uh, Rude Mechanicals as well and provides some of the lighter humor side of their – if you can provide a lighter humor side of Shakespeare, um, she has a big voice in that, uh, her and Spiegel. Um, so uh, – Lots of fun. I'm just excited for that and trying to figure out how that's going to play into uh, Drinks for Drinks thing maybe this summer. And and uh, anyways, I, I would love to see more comedy at the Uptown Theater. That's what I would love. I would love that. I would come out to that and support that because, yeah. Who doesn't like to laugh? Who doesn't like to laugh, you guys? Anyways, all right. That'll do. Eric apparently doesn't like to laugh. Uh, he's... Uh, <laughs> he's 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 one of those guys that just doesn't like to laugh. Anyways, uh, we are. I <laughs> uh, need to close this thing up because I'm I'm lost and heading nowhere at this point. Um, but you can find uh, you can find me on social media at Brent Johnson J O H N S E N. And me on the Instagrams at Adventures and Cafe. We would love to connect with you. Like us, friend us, follow us, do whatever. Uh, let us know that you found something interesting. Maybe we'll check that out and talk about it on this. Thanks for listening to another episode of Say Something Interesting. Have a great week, guys. See ya.